the main concerns that the fraudsters are talking about with the dark web is fulfillment issues. They're not concerned about not getting their order approved or not having enough data to overcome any kind of fraud filter or get their order through. They are concerned about not getting their goods. In a way, as legitimate customers are also very much concerned about fulfillment issues. Hey, and welcome back to The Full Cart. My name is Alon Livnay, and you're listening to the last episode of our first season. But I'm happy to share with you all that we'll be back in 2021 with an entirely new season of The Full Cart. New guests, new topics, new conversations about e-commerce and fraud, so stay tuned. For the final episode of the season, I sat down with our Director of Insights, Emily Grunswijk, to talk about the upcoming holiday season. Emily's team comes through piles of data each year to come up with an analysis of consumer trends and preferences, but this year posed some obvious challenges. Emily is going to walk us through how she approached this task in a year when nothing seems to be predictable or on script, and then she'll share some of her findings. For a deep dive into our holiday insights, check out our holiday season guide. Download your complimentary copy by following the link in our show notes. Hi, Emily. Hi, what's up? I'm really happy that you're here with us. Actually, we uh, we opened the season together and we're finishing together. And we thought it would be interesting to wrap the season up since it's uh, early November now by uh, talking about the holiday season. And I know that's something that uh, you and your team research every year. So I'm happy to talk about it today. So we know that this holiday season is going to be completely different from Christmas past, as we like to say. I would say we don't know, but we think. Yeah. We, we can safely assume it's going to be different. Okay, yeah. So, you know, pre-COVID each year, we were expecting to see continuing growth in e-commerce and e-commerce continuing to outpace brick and mortar. But this isn't a regular year. We are in 2020 and we have COVID. So, you know, as a company that's trying to prepare for the holiday season, how do we go about the question of trying to predict what it's even going to look like? So... This was a very big challenge this year, but everything is a very big challenge this year. Uh, Although the main challenge to understand from where we come from and from where our merchants come from is that we're talking about an increase, meaning we are going to see more and more. Is it going to be exactly like what we're seeing just in higher volumes or different in what we're seeing? Are we going to see new habits? That is something that we can try and check and try to assume. But the main issue is to understand that we're going to see a very significant increase in volumes. In an interesting way, this is something that most e-commerce merchants and -and brick-and-mortar merchants that have transformed to the online scape now are already seeing. Since the beginning of COVID in most of the industries, we are seeing a very big increase in the e-commerce sales because this is like the main platform right now to buy. So that would be the main thing that we want to that we want to know and understand. And what we try to understand is what is the shift and is there going to be a significant change in the behavior? Mm -hmm. Now, usually what you would do in trying to understand what's going to happen is try to understand from the relevant past or let's say the current events. So we have two effects here, right? We have a seasonality effect, meaning we want to understand what happened in the holiday seasons before. So we can compare it. And we also have the current changes. What happened during this year that was different than last year. Mm -hmm. This year is so different in both aspects. So trying to just do this by the focus on the seasonality effect seemed to be less accurate. 
And it's also a time of instability. So predictions are in these kind of times usually more conservative and we don't want to assume a lot of things because we don't know what's going to change. Uh, here in Israel, for example, if we will be in another lockdown, it will have a lot of effects which cannot be predicted, not in the e-commerce landscape because they are completely influenced by something that is external. From a bird's eye point of view, you're saying we can still assume that we're going to see growth. Um, maybe even more so this year because it's a more e-commerce first year. Generally, yes, we will see growth because we are already seeing growth. Mm-hmm. A lot of the merchants will now say that they are seeing holiday season growth already in their e-commerce sales because of this digital transformation on steroids effects that we were talking about at the beginning of your podcast and is very much happening right now. Yeah, back in early May. I read something from eMarketer just from the last couple of days. They are predicting a gigantic increase in the holiday season e-commerce sales. Mm-hmm. But it's important to understand that if we used to talk about peaks for the holiday season, merchants are handling those peaks from the minute that online commerce has become the main platform that you can use to actually shop. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be different. And that was one of the challenges because if we usually compare it what's happening in the holiday season to the seasonal effect of last year, now the current effect is a very major one. So to address the original question, that was our main challenge, understand what is the seasonality effect, what are the current events effect, how can we actually say something in this turbulence where we don't know what's going to happen and what might be happening right now. We're trying to focus more on the customers themselves, understanding how customers are changing and from that to try and understand What are the preferences that we're seeing? What is the main sentiment that we're seeing in the behavior and how that might impact other things? And what we also had is we tried to think about what could be the peer group of the holiday season now if it's not solely the holiday season of last year. And what I thought about is trying to understand we're not in March. We're actually in November, which is quite amazing how time has passed. So we have more data and we're not in the peaky transformation of the beginning. We are in some kind of stabilization stage of people already understanding that something has changed and how to adapt to this change. What I was thinking is, let's see what we had in this period of time. And we did have some holidays. Between March and now. Yeah, exactly. I think in the beginning, our original question in March was even like, Are we going to have a holiday season? Mm-hmm. What does this actually mean? Holiday season means a lot of things. It means people are buying more, but people are also meeting with their families. It's obviously not just a commerce thing. It's a cultural thing. And what is going to happen was a very big unknown. But now, although still a big unknown, as the future always is, we do have some kind of insights towards how do holidays look within the season. And we tried to drill them down and try to understand what was different now from what was in the past. So instead of like trying to predict something in an unknown world, what can we what kind of glimpse can we offer and what we do know? Mm-hmm. How did you approach the holiday season? I mean, I know in statistics you want to try to compare apples with apples, bananas with bananas, but first you have to classify what an apple is, what a holiday is. So we have two main groups in the holiday season. One is the sales holidays, where people are usually buying for themselves. It's a one-day event or one plus with some extensions, but it's not a buildup. 
that would be Black Friday, Cyber Monday holidays. And then we have the different group of Christmas, or even in a way, New Year's Eve, everything that you know in advance, and you're buying a gift for other people. And that is a very long cycle. You're not uh, committed to a one-day event. You're not waiting for a sale. You're not dependent on the merchant, but the merchant is trying to offer you something. You have more time. It's more extended. Mm-hmm. So what we know, there is this, what is called the holiday season, but it is split to two very different types of holidays, uh, those sales events, those uh, merchant-originated one, let's say, and those uh, cultural events. So we have a holiday season, we've split it into two, but we don't have anything to compare it to because we know that last year was very different than this year. And this year has already changed so significantly that we don't even know if there's going to be some kind of holiday season. So we didn't know what to do. We thought that most of the data from last year, while very interesting, might not be the most updated thing. Not informative enough for, for this year. No, it didn't give us the new insight that we were looking for. What can we say about now? And to understand what can we say about now, we wanted to go to two directions. The more uh, customer insight approach, what's happening to customers, how are customers changing, which is something that we checked during this entire time, what's happening with the customer behavior itself. Not where they shop, but how they shop or when they shop uh, and what they want So focusing on customer behaviors across industries, across regions, trying to understand that consumer sentiment. And the other thing that we wanted to do is still try to get inspiration from things that have already occurred in the more stable time of COVID. So since May, have we seen something that can be in a way related to the holiday season? And we define the group of holidays that have happened since May, let's say until October and try to identify within them if something might be relevant to the group that we're looking at. So first of all, we checked a lot of different holidays. Then we remembered that we want to split them to two categories, right? We have the category of the sales days event, and we have the gift-giving holidays. Eventually, we decided on Mother's Day and Father's Day as a gift-giving, right? You don't buy to yourself, you buy for someone else. You don't have to buy in the same day. And the other group that we decided on was Labor Day and uh, Memorial Day, which are sales event days, which are slightly more related to Cyber Monday, Black Friday. We do had two hesitations regarding this uh, situation. We know that the popularity level is different and also that they are very local based. So we also tried to find local holidays like Bastille Day in France, which is not just of one country, but a very main event in several Muslim countries. And we also checked Chinese Women's Day, which was in March, but in China, March was already within the stabilization situation and not the beginning and eruption of uh, COVID. That was the rationality, like the main rationality. Of course, nothing is like the holiday season. So what kind of things did you learn from conducting this research? What can we expect consumer preferences to look like for for both kinds of holidays, the sales holidays and the gift-giving holidays? Currently, in general, they want to have the ability to shop online. They want to have the ability to get their goods. And they want to have very good prices. They tend to compare more prices. They tend to go over from merchant to merchant. They're using more of their mobile phones than was ever before. 
they are buying in different hours because it really means less now, right? If you're not standing in line to a shop, it doesn't really matter when you're buying. And they want more delivery and fulfillment options, either to get things to their houses and to get them quicker, or they want to have the ability to pick them up when it's a good fit for them. And is that true for all customers? Because I understood that you divided customers into three categories, right? Can you outline those for us? We have the first group of people, of the returning customer, the people that have already bought within your store and are going to continue and buy or buy for the holidays in your store. Even in this group, we can split it to the ones that are going to act as they usually act or the ones that are now acting completely different due to COVID behavioral changes. But in this time, we also have the holiday changes. So inherently, we have different ways people shop within the season. We also have two different categories. We have customers that have never bought online before that are just now starting to replace the brick and mortar shops that they were uh, used to buy in. Very significant for the Black Friday sales that are transforming now online and also very significant for the holiday, the classic gift giving sales. These are new customers coming in because they're replacing the brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. And we also have the new customers coming in because they are switching from merchant to merchant. So they're not new to e-commerce. It's not their first time buying online, but it's the first time that they're buying with you online. And this switch is also very dominant right now because customers are changing their loyalty, whether it's because they're comparing more prices, that they get different offerings, that we have a lot of new merchants now online. Some, the transformation is of the customers, but it's dependent also on the retailers. Mm -hmm. It's not just a transformation of one or the other, but both. The merchants have moved online and some of them are new. Some of them have better presence. Some of them are focusing more on their online version, making it easier or more alluring for customers to switch to e-commerce. So just to reiterate, what you're saying is that it's not so much a gradual change in preferences as much as it's just a wider variety of preferences and different customers switching to whatever is most convenient or safe or preferable for them. Exactly. Consumers are also learning what will be a better fit for them depending on your offerings. But, and that's important to note, it's not just a holiday season thing. It's happening since the beginning of this era. So we are seeing it for a very wide sense. And that may be one of the interesting things that we have been seeing in other holidays. The peaks are less peaky. People are preparing more. So everything is in a way gradual, but the starting point is much higher than it was before. Mm -hmm. And it's not predicted to go down, it's predicted to go up. What would you recommend for merchants that want to make the most of this uh, potential for growth? Would you have any suggestions for them? Well, being ready for the new customers, obviously. Yeah. Both from the fulfillment offering side and also the device preferences that we're seeing. A very omni-channel approach here is important, but a more digital omni-channel. Meaning being more creative about the fulfillment, but also understanding those limitations. And also we have seen a tremendous increase in digital goods sales because some of the people are not going to see their families due to social distancing issues. So sending a digital gift might be an option for them either because a lot of new merchants are now offering types of uh, digital goods due to the situation and because people now need to buy online. And also, um, especially with younger generations like millennials and Gen Zers, the majority of them are saying that their preferred gift is a gift card. 
It's a preferred gift to give, and it's also a preferred gift to get from that segment of uh, people you were talking about, and that segment is now growing. So preparing for, first of all, an increase in your digital goods sales, even if you're a brick-and-mortar retailer that is not used to selling gift cards or digital gift cards, do expect this kind of increase if you haven't seen that already. So I would also focus on this segment, which is, by the way, a very risky segment for merchants. Do we expect to see any difference in fraud trends coming into the holiday season? Usually we tend to say that there's a very big fraud increase, but it does not overpass the increase in sales. Mm. So while you are seeing more fraud, meaning you are more concerned about fraud, doesn't mean that the actual fraud rates are higher. But this year, we have two angles that are very important right now. Legitimate customers have changed their behavior, making it harder to identify the fraudulent ones. I will give an example, not from a holiday-specific issue, but from, let's say, the travel industry. Last-minute flights are considered very risky, right? That is like one of the riskiest segments in the travel industry. Buying a ticket less than 20 hours before the flight itself. But now... A lot of legitimate customers have actually shifted to this behavior originally because during COVID you had limited flights. You didn't know when you can buy a ticket and people bought them last minute when they could and when they knew the flight is actually going to happen. This kind of shift means that you don't always know how to identify the risky segment. It can't be like a rule-based decision anymore. It's much more contextual. It's a bigger picture that you need to have on these types of things. And as we were talking before, now all of us are changing our own behaviors. So if, for example, you buy now more frequently in different hours, you might even ship to different places, right? A lot of us ship, let's say, to the office when we order something. That happens less right now. A lot of us moved around, you know, people understood that they were going to spend months at home and decided to make their home somewhere else, somewhere more comfortable, more spacious, closer to family. Exactly. So we have changed, meaning that it's harder to identify the fraudster from the legitimate customer or from the legitimate customer behavioral change. Yeah. So also from the opposite side, it might be a false decline issue, right? Let's say if we're talking about U.S. focused segments, uh, a lot of merchants are still using the ABS filter, meaning if we have a negative ABS match, they tend to decline or pass orders to manual review. And we always say before the holiday season, pay attention to this segment because even if it's just 10% of your orders or even if it's just 1% of your orders, that 1% in the holiday season is a very significant amount of orders. And that segment, again, might be risky usually. But today, we did like a specific check around Labor Day. We saw that there was an increase of 47% in orders with ABS uh, mismatch. From legitimate customers. Exactly. Okay. And we can understand why it happened. Might be because a lot of people moved around. Mm -hmm. Like you said before, might be because they wanted to be closer to their families. So we saw almost 50% spike in ABS mismatch from legitimate customers during Labor Day. So this mismatch, which would be fraudulent or at least slightly fraud-prone in usual days, is not the same that we are seeing right now. It's harder to differentiate between the fraudster and the legitimate customers because of the new behavioral changes. 
And because you are handling three to five to 10 times more volumes than you're used to, this is a very big issue on your operational side. That's one. The other thing that is important to note, there were and still are a lot of phishing and scams around the holiday season. We are aware, I think we've all seen a lot of data breaches, a lot of hacking going around, scamming. The data breaches are the source of either accounts or credit card details that are sold on the dark web. And we're seeing more of that, a lot of social engineering. More data is available now to conduct fraud. New people that have never shopped before in e-commerce are coming into new e-commerce shops. This is a very, very, very soft spot for, I would say, merchants, but for consumers as well. Mm-hmm. I actually tried to go through the dark web a bit before our session. And the main concerns that the fraudsters are talking about when you try to type like, what's going on in Black Friday, Cyber Monday, are you preparing? The only thing they're actually concerned about right now is fulfillment issues. Are there going to be a lot of delays in fulfillment? They're not concerned about not getting their order approved or not having enough data to overcome any kind of fraud filter or get their order through. They are concerned about not getting their goods in a way, as legitimate customers are also very much concerned about fulfillment issues. But they're confident about their ability to conduct the transaction. I can't say they're confident, but there is tons of data available, either credit cards, accounts, and everything else about the online identity of uh, people right now. What they're concerned about is actually getting their goods. Not because you're going to stop them, but because everybody's ordering online. So that fluctuation is the thing that is concerning for them. So I want to make time for one more question. You know, I've been thinking you were the first interviewee of the season and you're the last interviewee of the season. And the first episode that we did together was, uh, as we said, back in the very beginning of May. So just like a month and a half into the coronavirus era for most of the world. And when we spoke back then, you spoke about how the kind of expected trend of how these things kind of play out was you said we would be going from crisis mode into a hyper-digitization mode, and from there into some kind of stabilization period. And it's now been six months. It's been half a year since that interview. And I wanted to ask, how has that played out? I think it played out right, which is always nice. Uh, But I think then we tried to identify what are the changes that are happening. Now it's like we jumped from elementary school to either like high school or college in the e-commerce sense. Mm -hmm. There are more people, more offerings, more things, and it's not even in the same level. And that's exactly, get back to the beginning, that's exactly why 2019 is not indicative in any way to what's happening in 2020. Yeah, I mean, everywhere online, people are saying that e-commerce is today where we would have expected it to be in 2025. People are talking about a five-year jump in the span of less than a year. It's based on the predictions that they were giving along the time, based on gradual transformation that didn't have any kind of impact of external sources. Again, exactly why we didn't and still don't want to predict exactly what's happening, because a lot of external things that cannot be predicted are still happening, and they can influence very dramatically. Emily, thank you for giving me the time of day and for making time to come and talk to us again. It's been very interesting and informative. So thanks for that. I love being here. I hope you really do. We'll call you again next season. (laughs) Waiting for it. Thank you for joining us today. And thanks to Lev Gall from Insights for the data and analysis. 
Don't forget to follow the link in the episode description to get our full free holiday season guide. And that's a wrap for this season. Thanks as always to my co-creator, Amarel Venkert, and to each and every guest who gave their time, knowledge, and ideas. Thanks to you for joining the conversation about the e-commerce landscape. Have a safe and happy holiday season, and we'll see you right back here in the new year.